0: Welcome to Rocking Our Prize. I'm your host, Dr. Alice Evans. Right, now I'm recording from Barcelona. Now today, this very morning, I was asked a fun and challenging question. Alice, what is patriarchy? Can you define it in two sentences? Now that's a challenge. Okay, let me try. So in patriarchal societies, prestigious positions are dominated by men and this reinforces beliefs that men are more competent in socially valued domains, deserving of deference and speak with authority. Feeling entitled to higher status, men may react aggressively if given insufficient respect. So Basically, I'm suggesting that we combine representative indicators of both material and also cultural inequalities. So on the one hand, thinking about men's dominance in parliaments, business leadership, senior management and cultural production, but also the widespread beliefs that men as a group deserve status, so they're revered as knowledgeable authorities whose wisdom carries more weight. So. As I see it, material inequalities like gender pay gaps are only part of the story. We also need to attend to how people are perceived and treated, their beliefs and desires. The US Senate, for example, is 75% male. Americans also tend to perceive men as more agentic, assertive leaders. And uh, data from the 1940s to date shows that those stereotypes just have not changed. Uh, You can read Alice Eagley, 2020, on that. Okay, so these material and cultural dimensions of patriarchy are mutually reinforcing. When members of a group are seen as more skilled in socially valued domains, they tend to be given greater reverence. See um, C- C- Cecilia Ridgway's excellent new book on status. So wealth, power, and specialist knowledge enhance people's status and their capacity for ideological persuasion. You know, we pay more heed to people who have high status. We think they know what they're talking about. And since high status individuals' ideas are widely heeded, they're more able to persuade everyone else that inequalities are entirely just. Right. So the group that dominates positions at the top, people listen to them and they legitimize that established order. So let me give a couple of examples from across the world uh, and recent history. So Britain's Industrial Revolution saw the rise of the male breadwinner. There's a wonderful book called uh, The Intimate Economy by Emma Emma Griffin. And so women's work was equally fundamental to social production. Right. They cooked, they cleaned and they cared for their kids in squalid slums. But this was totally unappreciated. They were seen as delicate minors, you know, unworthy of suffrage. You know, when women campaigned for the vote, people thought that was laughable, ridiculous. How dare these low status people want the rights that are only fit for high status people. Even working class men were opposed. So 19th century British patriarchy was both a function of economic dependence on a, on a male breadwinner, but also cultural devaluation of women's work. Because men were equally dependent on women, on women's care work, right? But that didn't enhance women's status or, or, or social position. Okay? Now, today, male-majority industries continue to discriminate against women. In Silicon Valley this year, women repeatedly detail to me, when I interviewed them, how male programmers were given the benefit of the doubt, while their codes, the women's codes, were endlessly scrutinized. You know, they double check everything the women did. They were presumed incompetent. And that that's consistent with a huge wealth of data showing that male-majority industries are systematically hostile to women. And that alone accounts for why STEM is such a leaky pipeline. Okay, let's consider China. Now, Chinese women are thriving in business, but they're still blamed for their own rapes. Let me quote from the Henan government as an official document. Um, this reads: "Most victims of sexual assault have failed to protect themselves adequately. Women must remember that flies do not bite an uncracked egg." So the Chinese government is very much blaming women for their assault. Uh, and even if women report it, police tend to tell women to go back to their home. In fact, the 2020 law basically says that a man is able to beat his wife and starve her and restrict her mobility if it's only occasional. Like not, you know, beat your wife, as, but just not too frequently. So totalitarianism has suppressed feminist dissent, entrenched impunity for male violence and perpetuated all these rape myths. Then, as a result, ashamed women suffer in silence, sometimes turning to suicide. And in a future podcast, I'm going to discuss this incredible book by by Zeng, uh, which came out last year. And I'll talk more about that because it's really amazing. Uh, so women themselves may internalize these status beliefs. If colleagues gather for a meeting, women might volunteer to serve the tea. So as some of you know, I used to be a lecturer at Cambridge University and there's one Cambridge college which actually institutionalizes this practice. After formal hall, the most junior member is supposed to serve drinks to the most senior member. So given academia's gender hierarchies, you can imagine what that looks like, right? Now, thanks to feminist mobilization, 11 Latin American legislative assemblies now mandate gender parity in those parliaments, but that has not eroded a wider culture of machismo. 40% of Mexicans still believe that a man is entitled to beat his unfaithful wife. So when we think about patriarchy in Mexico, it's not enough to just look at a top line indicator that, you know, women are in parliament. We also need to think that everyday working class men feel entitled to that respect and react aggressively if a woman is insubordinate. That is why I'm saying these culture, cultural aspects are so important. Now let me turn to patriarchal backlash. This can exist at both the individual level and also the societal level. If men feel entitled to deference, they may react aggressively to its denial. A woman is at highest risk of violence from a man she has jilted. In Mexico City, where I was a couple of months ago, Carlos lashed out at Elisabella when she tried to leave. He was furious that she said no. In fact, he tried to kill her and she still can't move one of her fingers uh he drove their car into the car in front anyway i won't i won't go into the precise details but yeah i heard many many stories like this where men you know as poor as you like react aggressively to female insubordination so it's not just about you know men at the top etc okay so keen to soothe men's sensitive egos american women who out earn their husbands tend to do a higher share of care work uh, that's a paper that came out in 2013 by mary Bertrand and others. So that restores his expe- expected status. So by the when the woman does the, sort of the low status domestic menial care work, he feels more of a man in adverted promise. Feminist organising can also figure, uh, trigger a patriarchal backlash among those who endorse gender status beliefs. So in 1970s America, housewives mobilised to stop ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment. In contemporary Spain, uh, a couple of years ago in 2018, women's protests against male violence actually led to a rise in host- hostile sexism and more votes for the far right. Um, that's a paper by Anduiza Pereira and others um, from, t- from just this year. So the feminists have gone too far and that- triggered the backlash. You know, this low status group was demanding more than was right. Okay, so now if you accept my schema that patriarchy is both material and cultural, if you also accept that every single country fits this bill, they've all got both these material inequalities and also this, this cultural script, then you may grant, as I indeed believe, that every single country remains patriarchal. I want to add a couple of caveats though. Uh, although the entire world is patriarchal, it has recently become much more gender equal. Patriarchal also takes different forms worldwide and it exists on a spectrum. So I'm not saying you know patriarchy is the same globally, but these are the kind you know, these material inequalities, these cultural schemas vary, right? But the, these are the basic the, the basic framework. Okay. Now I want to preempt my trolls and reply guys. So let me let me engage with four ways I think people might object. Okay, some people might say, wait a minute, Alice, wait a minute. Women now earn more university degrees. Sure, so what? So what? Men still end up earning more and dominating positions of prestige and feeling entitled to that deference. Right? It doesn't make a difference. Okay, here's another objection. Most prisoners are men. Yeah, true. But even those prisoners may feel entitled to respect and react aggressively to female insubordination. They, too, share status beliefs. The cultural aspect is so fundamental here. Okay, um, now let me consider another kind of objection. Women are actually better off, some would argue. You know, they're the ones who are saved if there's an earthquake or a war or, or any other kind of natural disaster, while male soldiers are sacrificed. You know, in the Titanic, they would say, women and children first. I mean, yeah, that's true. It is true that many societies have sacrificed men in battle. You know, rulers may see working class men as expendable cap, uh, cannon fodder, you know, as in imperial and contemporary Russia. But we can distinguish, I suggest, between welfare, you know, protecting women, securing survival of the, the society and status, who is entitled to deference and respect. In Russia, it is men who are lauded as heroes. This is the cult of war. You know, they are the ones who are listened to as leaders and granted authority within their own homes. In 2017, the Duma decriminalized wife-beating as long as their bones are broken. Even working-class men are granted coercive power within their own homes while the police turn a blind eye. So, even if working-class, ethnic minority and immigrant men are poorly treated... All may be immersed in a wider culture in which men in general are granted, greater, granted and expect greater authority. Okay, now let me come to our fourth and final set of objections. Patriarchy hurts men. You know, boys get bullied for being effeminate. They may be reluctant to admit weakness and yet help for depression. You know, there are lots of ways that men suffer. And I totally sign up to that. And I think all feminists do, in fact. I totally agree. You know, men are expected to be tough while deviants face stigma and ostracism. I will quote my father here. <laughs> so my father was in uh, the Paris, which is uh, an especially sort of militant, macho uh, part of the British army. And uh, I remember this scene, my little brother... Uh, was you know being being a little bit scared, uh, and whimpering, whimpering, and faltering, and my father bellowed, "Are you a man or a mouse?" You know this is the idea that a a boy should be tough. He should be you know your boy is not a little mouse. He just you say he has to act tough, right? So these widespread expectations of disapproval and derision motivate men to conform to our prevailing gender ideologies. And that reproduces a positive feedback loop. Men continue to be stereotyped as strong, tough, agentic authorities. So what I'm trying to say here is we need to distinguish between welfare and cultural status. There may be lots of ways in which a man might be badly off in terms of welfare, but still still seen as the tough provider. And that's what I'm focusing on in terms of patriarchy, thinking about the cultural status. Okay, so let me summarize. Here is my here is my two sentence definition. That was my task. Come up with a definition of patriarchy in two sentences. So in patriarchal societies, prestigious positions dominated by men. And that reinforces beliefs that men are more competent in socially valued domains, deserving of deference, and speak with authority. And feeling entitled to higher status men, either as individuals or as a group, may get angry when given insufficient respect. And I personally have encountered that, and and I know many women who have. Um, so let me know what you think. Let me know what you think I've missed. I'm very, I'm very keen and curious to hear people's feedback on this. As I say, this is just something I was asked this morning and I thought it was a fun question. It's certainly something I should be able to answer, right? <laughs> OK, um, I'm going to be doing a lot more podcasts here in Barcelona. So you'll hear a lot more from me in this coming week. So take care, everyone. And thank you for listening to Rocking Our Prize. I'm Dr. Alice Evans.